Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Good morning, Steve. First of all, nice to have you back in the studio again, as always. But uh, tell us about, uh, you had an interesting evening last night. Yes. Um, so let's talk with our good friend Jane Iyer. With our good friend Jane Iyer. And we had, um, you know, she had one of her soirees uh, where she brings in a, a guest. And you had been one before. I had been one. Now, we believe these are too posh for Neil, so I don't know if he'll ever go. <laughs> Very true. Uh, he has been invited. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, we're not sure. But yeah. good friends of the show, Joanne <laughs> Flynn, yep. was, was there sitting next to me. Chris Reed, the only CEO with a oh, mohawk, uh, was wow. there. So uh, it was a, a great event. Look, I, I talked about you know the bull market in politics um, that's happening everywhere in the world, but certainly ha- happening in the U.S., and, and, and discussed how who frames the election in this bull market in politics versus Democrats and Republicans is going gonna, is gonna to win in the midterms. Fascinating. Yeah. What, what do you think, what was the, the biggest question or the most uh, interesting thing that people wanted to know about last night as you were sitting around that dinner table? Well, I, I say, look, Elena, here's what the Republicans are going to do, and the Republicans have a much better hand to play. The Republicans are going to run on the mismanagement of Biden and the Democrats. It's, they're going to say there's mismanagement when it comes to the economy on runaway inflation, supply chain, gas at you know, nearly $5 a gallon now, mm. uh, the domestic failures when it comes to the border and, and crime, the, the failure in Afghanistan, mm. um, and of course, the, the social woke lash. And what the Democrats are going to try to do, right, is say the Republicans are just too dangerous. You know, forget all of that. They're too dangerous when it comes to the woman's rights to choose. They're against civil rights when it comes to voting and immigration. They're against gun control. They're against climate solutions. Um, and of course, Trump in January 6th. Well, most of the people there were like, well, do you think Americans are going to go with that Democratic framing that Trump is too dangerous? The Republicans are too dangerous. What will it take for Americans to say that's more important for me to vote on than the fact that that everything now costs more uh, and I, you know, and I'm having trouble meeting my budget because of all of the things that they will lay the blame on Democrats. So that was really the core of the discussion. Isn't all pol- politics local, though? Do people really care about the international stuff like, let's say, Afghanistan when it comes to voting? People are going to care only about what's in their pocketbooks. You know, do they have access to toys that they want to buy for Christmas or whatever? Like, isn't that really the general rule of thumb in politics? And just to add to that, this is also playing out in the UK that Boris Johnson, much beleaguered, is trying to play the Ukraine card, that he's at war. Firstly, Boris Johnson and the UK are not at war, but he's trying to play that Ukraine war card to separate from current issues, but it comes down to Glenn's point. People are worried about in the UK, as they are in Singapore, supply chain issues, the cost of living, rising fuel costs. Does this other stuff at a certain point even resonate with the electorate? Okay, think of the election, right, as you're a a storyteller in a way. And if you can say that Biden mismanages everything and that Afghanistan is another part of that tapestry of mismanagement, right? Mm -hmm. He couldn't pull the Americans out. He couldn't get all of those Afghanis who had helped us over years, if not decades, and we couldn't withhold, we couldn't honor our trust with them. And that's Biden's fault. So you play the Afghan card into the mismanagement of of the administration, like you play uh, inflation into this management. Now, 
Biden's going to say neither of those two things are, are, are true, and the Democrats will say that, and Biden's not on the ticket in, in, 20, you know, in, in 2022, right? The, the, it's the House and the Senate. So they're going to say that doesn't matter. It's, it's about what the Republicans are going to do if they get in charge, and look what they're going to do. They're going to take away your rights you know, for, for a majority of the country when it comes to the right to choose. They're, gonna, they're going to make the schools and the shopping malls and, and grocery stores and the streets unsafe because they refuse to do anything about gun control. Yeah, yeah. So that's the question. So it's not about Afghanistan. It's not going to be about foreign policy, but they're going to use Afghanistan as one of the ways to make their case that the Democrats and Biden are mismanaging the country. But yeah. here's the problem, Steve. Everything you have just said is coherent intelligent, <laughs> erudite, as it always is, reasoned and balanced. And if the outsiders looking in know anything about American politics, politics, it is none of those things. We are sitting here talking about reasonable political discussions when we have a the hearings going on for the general 6 uh, capital riots. A bipartisan Senate committee has linked seven deaths to the attack. We're talking about seven deaths here. And a claim being made that former President Trump was directly inv- or, or engineered them or incited them in some way. And yet and here certainly we are, didn't try to stop. Them. Right. And yeah. here we are saying that that man is not only going to get, I don't say get away with it, but survive it. He is the key contender for the next Republican challenge. And yet we're talking about the Republicans arguably regaining the Senate mm. while this trial is going on to the outside world looking in. It's preposterous. Well, and let's see what happens, right? I mean, that is the case that that the 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 you know House Committee on on the January sixth investigation is making. That this was the January sixth did not start on January sixth. It started right after the election, and Donald Trump was preparing this even before the election to to make the claim that that the election was stolen, even though there's zero proof that that's true, and that this is a brazen attempt by Trump to overthrow the government. Right? And, and Liz Cheney, and let me just say I'm wearing my Colorado college shirt because not only uh, do, do Bennett and Mason go there, but it's the alma mater of, of Liz Cheney, right, who is the vice chair of this committee, Republican from, yeah, from a Wyoming. A famous Republican, right? Her father was in the administration. Was vice president, yep. right, under, yep. under President uh, Bush 43. And so what Liz Cheney said is, right, President Trump summoned the mob, he assembled the mob, and he lit the flame of this attack. And that there will come a day when Donald Trump is no longer – you know, when he's gone, but the Republicans who continue to kowtow to him, who continue to, to play along with, with this you know, lie about the election being stolen, their dishonor is going to remain forever. Mm. And that's the question is, will there be enough Republicans who say we can't live with Donald Trump anymore? And the New York Post, which is owned right, right by Rupert Murdoch and News Corp, right? Why did you look at me then, as if I'm related to Rupert Murdoch in some way? He's part of the Commonwealth. Exactly. So the New York Post came out right after this, said like January 6th was not a protest, as Donald Trump says. Um, Donald Trump said that January 6th represented the greatest movement in the history of our country to make America great again. Of course. The New York Post says it was a national shame. It's time for Republicans to move on. Donald Trump lost in 2020. Joe Biden is a disaster as president, and we need a fresh start. And what they said to the people, said, tune out the January 6th hearings, binge watch Stranger Things, pick a new favorite conservative, and look to 2022 and 2024. We need a new era. Let's make America sane again. 
That's yeah. the that is Rupert Murdoch and, and and News Corp saying this. So if that happens out of January sixth, maybe 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 the Republicans enough of them will put Donald a Trump in the rearview mirror. Ironic since Mur- Murdoch uh, media was in large part responsible for you know putting out a lot of these uh, fake. Uh, a lot of the fake news that kind of led us to where we are today. Right. And 20 million Americans watched the hearing on, uh, that, that kicked off, you know, our, our Friday morning in, in Singapore. Look, only 9 million Americans watched the impeachment hearings. So this is, you know, doubling the audience of who's paying attention. Now, of course, Fox News did not show the hearings live. They're the only network in the United States that did not show the hearings live. But you are it, – it is hopefully going to get through, right? It, it's not just going to be, you know, the, the Democrats who are watching this, but enough independents and, and independent-leaning Republicans who will, who will watch. And in my tribute to January 6th, I'm wearing my Planet of the Apes T-shirt. It's <laughs> a tribute to the mob, the rioting mob, Planet of the Apes. Okay, where does this go from here? Presidents can't be charged, so on and so on. Where, what is worst-case scenario for Donald Trump and the Trump family? Do we see possible charges being laid? His daughter was speaking yesterday. There already seems to be a disagreement even between father and daughter. Rats sinking ships comes to mind here. Yeah. Well, what have us, or what you're referring to with, with Ivanka Trump, right? The Attorney General, Bill Barr, when he, he said he had three conversations with the president where he told him this was not a stolen election. This was a fair election. You lost. Lost, and your claims are BS. He didn't mm. use the strong. He used the full word. He said your claims are BS. And then Ivanka Trump said that she respects Attorney General Barr, and I accept what he said. Now Donald Trump said that Ivanka Trump was not involved in looking at this, at studying the election <laughs> results. She's checked out. So he's throwing his own daughter under yeah. under the bus now. Exactly. And so that's the question is, what's going to happen politically? And then, Neil, your question, what's going to happen legally? And there are so many violations of law that, that Donald Trump is, is being investigated for. Something is going to eventually get to a court of law, and he's going to have to testify, and then we'll see what a jury says. But there's mm-hmm. a legal issue and then the political. And the politics right now look really bad for Donald Trump. They've looked really bad for him before, and he's he survived, so you can't count him out. Just for the benefit of Singaporeans and myself, from a legal standpoint, I mean, we're in murky, uncharted territory here, but and this is all if, buts, and maybes, but should Donald Trump be found to be complicit in any way in the insurrection, is prison or conviction a possibility? I mean, look, they, they have now the, – the Justice Department has now said that the Proud Boys have committed seditious acts. And so they are going to be – they have that been charged off, with sedition. That was offshoot group that was uh, involved in the, it's, it's in a, the attacks. A, a group of, 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 of white supremacist terrorists in the United States. And you had the Oath Keepers as a, another such group. And during – and this is part of what led to, to the January 6th insurrection. During one of the presidential debates, Donald Trump – told the Proud Boys, you know, stand down and stand by. He, and yep. they took that as an order from their president, uh, or the whole country's president then, to, to keep him in office no matter what, even if you have to storm the Capitol, even if you have to kill people to do this, even if you have to hang Mike Pence, which it was said on January 6th that Donald Trump said, well, maybe the vice president deserved to be hanged. Mm. That was um, in yeah. some of the testimony. Right, so are criminal charges out. a possibility? Uh, criminal charge. Now, it would be very hard to, would, uh, very hard to say that 
you'd have to prove that Donald Trump's words led to that. They're making the political case that, and, and Liz Cheney walked through a seven-step political case that it was Trump who spread the false information. He called the people to Washington. He told them to go march on the Capitol. He, he ignored pleas for assistance um, when the, the, the rioters and insurrectionists were, were attacking um, the members of uh, the police force and others there. Whether he will go to jail for those issues, it, will be a, it would be tough because you would have to show that he knowingly was, was, was requesting those things to occur and he will say it's political speech and, and such. I don't think he'll go to jail for that, but he certainly will be investigated and those who supported him and acted on it will go to jail and they already are going to jail. All right. Thank you, Steve. We'll keep following uh, the result of those hearings uh, next week as well. Uh, echo Sparity. The three-day Tomasic conference this week uh, marked uh, the start of decade of action, as they are saying it, uh, looking at transformative economic, social, and environmental solutions. So, are all the world's problems, you know, world's problems solved after the three-day conference of Ecosperity? Are you? I'm, I'm loving the cynicism. <laughs> be, you see, you're becoming more like me, Glenn. The more time you spend, you know, with I can't me. spend three years with you without some of it rubbing Good. off. It's healthy. Healthy cynicism is is what we need. But here's you. You've got five critical issues facing the planet right now and 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 these are the five c's that i took away right from 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 uh, uh, ecosperity obviously climate the climate disaster is your first c the crisis that's going on because of the russian invasion of ukraine and all that's leading to is the second c china and the us and and what's happening in that relationship is a third c commodities um, is is the fourth c and of course that leads to the inflation and then the fifth c is covid so you've got mm-hmm. those five c's What's happening as a result of those five C's, right, is that countries are now looking at their own dependencies, right, when it comes uh, to commodities, when it comes uh, to their supply chain. And so that's causing a lot of disruption now. And you see that, of course, with Malaysia and chicken, but you see it with, you know, you see it with, with other countries in, in wheat and in, mm. in, in palm oil and all of these other issues that where you've got this nationalism now and that that is causing all of these disruptions. So you overlay that, and what that means is that people aren't so worried about the climate crisis right now. They can take a look at that later because they need to look short-term at what's going to happen to their population. And we need to get out of that mindset, and we need to keep focused on climate risk. So that's one of the things that was interestingly discussed uh, at Ecosperity. And then the other thing that's really hitting hard that's kind of related in Southeast Asia is that – you can't delink the environment from the S of ESNG, right, or, or, or the social perspective, because when you make changes to the environment, you are typically going to be hurting the, the livelihoods of those people in this part mm-hmm. of the world, right? So if you say we're only going to have sustainable palm oil, what happens to all the, share, the small shareholder farmers who can't engage in that right now? What's going to happen to their land? What's going to happen to their jobs? Yeah. What's going to happen to their kids' yeah, Changes education? can't be made quickly. Well, they can, yeah. except you've got trade-offs. Right. So well, how are you going to so do these trade-offs? And that's the thing, Glenn, that, that was discussed, right? We're transitioning as a, as a planet now from one energy source, right, mm-hmm. of course, carbon, right, to another energy source but we haven't thought of how we are going to make this transition smooth, 
How are we going to make this transition linear? It's impossible to do that. And so there's going to be so much disruption caused. And it's a really interesting way. And I know you guys make fun of my friends at Tomasic, right, for saying eco-sparity. But I know I mean for saying eco-sparity and mashing those two words together. But it's a good way of thinking about it because how do you address the ecological crisis and keep prosperity when it comes to all the people, especially in this part of the world? Huge challenge. Nothing, of course, was solved over these three days. Nothing was ever going to be solved. But it lays it's raising out the, the issues and laying out a foundation and a roadmap for how to. Think what about, about nature sparity or <laughs> earth sparity? Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, I'm just dumbfounded by that. But <laughs> I, no, but on that point, okay, let's, let's workshop it. It's <laughs> wonderful that you're doing this. Of course, it is, and it has to be done. But I was meeting with Singaporean friends last night, just like the people listening, and it's and it's all about Glenn's earlier point. Sadly, but honestly, which is bread and butter issues will always dominate for the man in the street. I've been talking to people all week and all they're interested in, my chicken rice, is it safe? My petrol for my car is too expensive. These are issues that are playing out in Singapore, UK and US. My, I was talking to Singaporeans last night. They couldn't believe that my sister and my brother-in-law both have Teslas. They assume that they're multi-multi-millionaires. They're not. Mm. It's just that they're much more accessible. Now, this is where we get to the awkward part, Steve. We should be driving electric cars now. There should be plant-based alternatives on every menu now. We should be able to charge our cars up easier now. We can't in Singapore, despite being a first-world nation, because there are so many other economic and cultural considerations that have to be balanced. We can't even get people to give up plastic bags from the grocery store and plastic containers for their top bow, right? Our good friend, MP, the Lewis Ung, has been fighting this for years. So (laughs) even though what you and Tomasic are doing, this is the the, the everyday bread and butter challenge, you know? But, But here's the thing about Singapore. Singapore, because it is so wealthy, has not yet been impacted by the climate crisis, right? You don't have flooding here. Why? Because there's so much infrastructure here to make sure the roads don't flood and mm. everything works when it comes to Much. the sewers and the drainage. <laughs> yeah. we, have, we have ponding. <laughs> we have ponding. <laughs> Temporary so you, ponding. You, you, the, 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 it, Singapore hasn't had really yet excessive heat, not like you're seeing in places like India, yeah. right? Yep. And, and it hasn't really hit drought yet. So yeah, but you know what? The people who are losing their homes and their businesses because of flooding in Indonesia or Malaysia, because of fires in Australia, people who are dying in India because Mm. of the excessive heat now, they are starting to care a lot more, and it is becoming an issue. Singapore is, is, is fortunate because it hasn't been impacted by climate risk, in part because it has been so good, right, in putting the infrastructure in place to, to prevent the yeah. extremes from yeah, climate yeah. risk. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, the government here. has had the money to do that. Right? And our geographical position helps it, it, in terms of tsunami effects and uh, earthquake effects. It, and so the, right, We're the, sheltered. The, We're the, sheltered. The, 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 the intensity in storms hasn't really hit here mm. as it is hit in places like the Philippines. Mm. And others. But Singapore is really starting to be on, on its front foot and trying to figure out how are we going to decarbonize our economy? How are we, you know, there's not enough land here for solar. Mm. So can we have floating solar, right, platforms yeah. as a way to get renewable energy? So, so just, did they come up with any hows? I mean, any suggestions of how we, we overcome these bread and butter concerns for the bigger picture? Well, this is, I mean, 
we're at least we're now at the point where everybody's coming up with these net zero pledges. We're going to be net zero by 2040, 2050. If you're Indonesia, 20, 2060, how you operationalize that is very, very difficult. And no one has figured that out yet. Some people are at, at, at the governmental level and some governments are saying what we need to do um, is really put money into technology figure out how are we going to become more efficient when it comes to energy. And so that's if you put all that funding in R&D, if you incentivize R&D, if the customers start demanding things, maybe we can get on this pathway uh, to net zero. But it's not going to be smooth and it's not going to be linear. Hey, Steve, thanks so much for being with us today. See you next week. Have a great week. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.